0: Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. Thanks for joining us this Sunday on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. I'm Robert Johnson, president of the Duncan Duo, here with Mike Corrigan from Cross Country Mortgage. How are you doing, Mike?
1: I'm doing great. How are you today, Robert?
0: I'm doing well. I, uh, I'm excited to be back. I haven't been back in a few weeks. Um, Andrew's out this week, but thrilled to be filling in for him, even though we are doing it remotely. So if there's any technical challenges, hopefully we can overcome those. But I'm excited to be here with you. I feel like a lot different um, in the real estate space, just since we started the year. Um, sometimes you know things stay the same and sometimes things change really, really quickly. And I feel like we're in one of those really quickly changing times. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, what's going on with interest rates and how it's going to affect our market. So uh, what I didn't understand, and we were talking about this a little bit, is that you always hear oh, what's the Fed going to do with interest rates? Oh, has the Fed risen interest rates or have interest rates stayed the same? And I know that their plan, especially with inflation, has been to eventually go through a series of rate heights this year. Yes. But um, they haven't really done that yet. But on the mortgage side, what we're seeing is rates going up pretty quickly, um, pretty pretty fast, especially since even when you look at December. So, can you kind of explain that maybe to the people? Cause, and really to me, because I thought in my mind that rates usually follow what the Fed does, but this is almost like they're, they're preemptively starting to rise in the mortgage space and maybe why that's happening
1: yeah. so you're right. Interest rates have um risen um, you know substantially, that you know, um pretty much about across national averages about five eighths over the um first part of the year, first couple of weeks of the uh, of the year. so they're they're at about two year highs on interest rates. still again, it, historically, they're still extremely low. But um if you're looking compared to what it was uh, just a couple of months ago, they definitely have risen and everything else. And so um, what has happened is a couple of different things. So the inflation numbers keep coming out. You know this week they pr- reported both um, measures of inflation, the CPI and PPI. Um, and those are at multi um, decade highs. Um, on the averages. So, you know, you hear it everywhere. You hear people talking about it everywhere. The, the prices of not just housing, but rents of, you know, used car sales. I saw, um, earlier this week, were up 37% for, for the same used car. Um, so, you know, everybody's kind of feeling inflation across the, uh, you know, across our country and inflation is, is kind of the, um, the enemy of, of interest rates, um, as far as, as mortgage interest rates go. And if, if you kind of think about it, when we go out and do a 30 year mortgage from somebody and it's a fixed rate mortgage. And we say, Hey, so pay us, you know, let's just say that, you know, you get a rate of of three and a half and um, that equals a thousand dollars just to use easy math that goes across there. The we're saying, Hey, pay us a thousand dollars, but that's fixed for the next 30 years. So what happens is as inflation goes up, your dollar isn't a valuable down the road. So, mortgage companies are still going to be giving out 30 year fixed mortgages and they're not going to change along the way. So how do they offset what they believe to be the, the, your dollar being weaker because prices are going up across the board. The only way to offset that is to buy rising interest rates. And so that's what the fed does as well. And the fed, when they do, while it does kind of go along with mortgage rates, they don't direct high, they don't direct, or or they don't correlate directly, excuse me, the Fed is deals with short term interest rates um, and the, it's overnight rates that go on there and mortgage rates are more of a long term interest rate. And so as all this inflation and these talks have been going out, what the the mortgage rates are most correlated to is the 10 year um, US Treasury bond. And we've seen yields on the 10 um, year Treasury bond go way up, which means interest rates are going to go up. You know, that's going to be there. So in short, it's a lot about the anticipation of the things that are happening. You know, we have finally, everybody's agreeing that, you know, the inflation is not just transitory, not just because of the pandemic. It's not just going to come and go, but it's going to be here for the longer term. And that's why you're starting to see interest rates, uh, increase across the
0: board. Right. So I would say it's kind of like, you know, the stock market, I mean, completely separate, but kind of like the stock market, you can think about it as, you know, When somebody thinks, oh, a company is going to be reporting on their performance, but maybe people are expecting it not to go well or to go well. So they either buy or sell the stock based on the upcoming reporting. So basically, like maybe people are expecting the Fed to raise rates. So then everything's kind of preemptive to that. I would take it kind of the same thing?
1: Yeah, it comes into the right There's sentiment, in, you know, out in the marketplace. And so, um, you know, financial institutions and the markets, um, you know, they can have a mind of their own. So they like to head, you know, they like to act ahead of what what is actually happening. And so a lot of people, a lot of experts out there will say that the Fed's kind of been behind the eight ball um, on this one in raising interest rates. So there's a lot of, you know, there's one side of, out there that are saying, hey, we should have acted sooner or the Fed, not we, but the Fed should have acted sooner and everything else. And so. As now the inflation, because the Fed was saying for so long that it was transitory, meaning it was just temporary because of the supply chain disruptions because of employment disruptions because of COVID and everything else. And now that it's going to be here and they didn't act prior to, they almost got to play catch up. And so, you know, they've even said this year now, all the estimates, the experts, the analysts that look at this, instead of there being three rate hikes, this year now, I think it's an 86 percent chance that they're saying the first one will come in March, where initially it was out into May or June. So it's going to happen sooner. And now that there will be actually a fourth interest rate hike this year and some experts out there and some people out there would say there there needs to be even more. You know, time will tell and we shall see what happens. But because of that, you're seeing an exacerbated move in the interest rates as we start the year.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm so surprised. Um, I mean, I'm surprised that people would think that there was still going to only be three interest rates, uh, interest rate hikes, because I would think, like you said, a lot of people are in agreement. I would think there could be more than that just because of how crazy the inflation seems to be out there. And, you know, there's there's the only way that I think that you could probably control inflation is through interest rate hikes at this point. So I'm surprised that people would even think there was still only going to be three. I think there's probably going to be more than that. And I, I do think that rates are going to go up pretty well um, this year. I just, I couldn't see them. I think it would be on the high end as opposed to, the lower end of that estimate, and I, I think that you probably agree with that.
1: Yeah, I, I do. I think there will probably be four four rate hikes this year that'll go in there. The Fed has been, um, you know, pretty accommodative for a long time, um, and they kind of held back, and now they need to make their move. And you're right; they use raising interest rates to help bring inflation back down. Um, and so there was some Fed testimony this week in front of Congress where both the Fed Chairman and Vice Chairman, you know, said they are going to aggressively act to get inflation back. Um, in line with what their target is. And, and the Fed target for inflation is 2%. And so the latest numbers that came out year over year um, was that we were at 7% inflation, which, you know, I think the last time, um, you know, was in the late 90s when it was that high. So it's been quite a while since it's since it's been happening um, when you look at it year over year. Um, and so, you know, prices have, have increased. And, you know, if you're out there listening, you probably feel that. You probably see it in Maybe something that you're purchasing, or and you know th- things to go of anything from a you know a, a fast food restaurant to restaurants to to buying cars. Obviously, rents. We've talked in Tampa Bay. Rents have skyrocketed. Prices are going up, you know, across the board, and it's really filtering all the way through. Um, and so they're gonna, you know, the Fed is gonna work to bring that down because it isn't sustainable at those high of levels for a long period of time.
0: Yeah, because what they do, and I think maybe some of the younger listeners probably don't realize this is. When they do raise interest rates, it's on everything. It's on, my gosh, it's on, you know, all your credit card interest rates go up. I mean, car loans go up. Everything really that has an adjustable rate, especially something like a credit card, those are all going to be raised. So the price of money, you know, money gets more expensive. Money is not cheaper at that point. So the way to take a lot of money out of the marketplace and to get people to stop spending, which drives inflation, is to make it more expensive to borrow in our economy so you know interest rate hikes affect all of that and i think sometimes that gets a little lost in translation i think people just think oh you know interest rates are more expensive for anything i buy from now on but you know if you have credit card balances and everything else all of those payments are going to become more expensive so it's definitely something that um that affects everything in the economy and i think that um You know, I worry about prices of homes at that point. I don't think that anything is going to be happening to prices. I think if anything, they would just slow instead of raising as quick as they have. Because I think, again, when everything else is more expensive, the price of homes isn't going to come down. But again, it's about a monthly payment. So I think if interest rates go up quickly, I think that it could stall out prices. And so if you're somebody that's expecting the prices to keep going up, you know, 15, 18% every year, I think that you'd be out of luck at that point, because I think prices would go down, you know, back to something that's a little more reasonable as far as how quick they rise. Yeah. You know, a lot of the people out there
1: that study this stuff and are economists and everything else, you know, there was a report that came out this week that um, surveyed the top Um, I think it was about 75 economists and said, okay, what do they think is going to happen nationwide? And again, this is nationwide, um, on housing this year. Um, and it, it ranged, um, anywhere from, you know, in the low 20s, all the way down to, you know, I think one economist said, you know, 5%. I don't think either of those things are going to happen. But if you take it all and you look at the median or the average of them, they all ended in about the high single digits, which I think is a lot more realistic this year and is a lot more normal um, and, and is healthy for the marketplace. The The reality is inventory is still low and demand is still extremely high. I mean, people are looking to buy because renting has become so expensive too. And there's a lot of people out there that are looking to buy. And even with the increase in interest rates, again, we're still talking about rates in the, the, the mid to upper threes. It's not like, you know, rates have gone to five or 6%. We don't anticipate that to happen, but you know, could you see them push into the upper threes, maybe even the lower fours by the end of the year? Yeah, that potentially could happen, which will affect your monthly payment. You're right. It's about monthly payment and it will affect that monthly payment. But in the grand scheme of things, it isn't going to knock people completely out of the marketplace unless you were right on the fringe. So it's still, oh, it's, it's going to be a great year. I mean, Zillow came out last week, Andrew and I touched on it and said, they, you know, they anticipate, you know, Zillow's been wrong about a lot of things, but you know, they anticipate Tampa to be one of the hottest markets this year and whether we're the hottest or, or the fifth hottest or whatever it may be, I think it is without a doubt that it's going to be another robust year for, for the Tampa Bay real estate market.
0: I know I think it's so funny realtors <laughs> generally hate Zillow but as soon as they put that article out it was like oh my gosh we love Zillow i can't believe they're saying this it's amazing but i do agree i think that there's no hotter place in the entire country than Tampa right now i think everybody you know locally can definitely agree with that i mean since my gosh since the pandemic started it's like Tampa, it's been Tampa's time to shine i mean it's been something that's pretty remarkable so I'm excited about the upcoming year. I think interest rate rises are not. I'm excited about it. I think a lot of people are excited about it. Um, and we'll we'll continue with the discussion right when we get back from the Dunkin' Duo Real Estate Show. And we're back here on the Dunkin' Duo Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us this week, talking about all the different changes in the real estate market as far as mortgages go. And there was something else that dropped this week, Mike, and I'm also I'm a little unfamiliar with this just because I think the lending world is it's changing. There's so many nuts and bolts to the lending world. But I saw on one of the Facebook groups that I'm in this week that there was some changes as far as the cost associated with second mortgages or vacation home mortgages this week. Could you touch on that a little bit? Because I think especially um, in vacation home markets, which part of our market, I would say, is a second home market. I think that that has actually um, really accelerated, you know, people buying second homes, people wanting to um, put money into second homes because of something that you said, rentals being so high, especially overnight rentals. the returns very, very good. So I think that any changes to that market could affect the market as a whole, and especially in areas where second homes are, are the focus. So can you explain a little about that and the changes with that?
1: Yeah, so on um, January 5th, Fannie Mae or the FHFA, I should say, FHFA came out and said um, what they are going to do is they are going to increase what they call the LLPAs or loan level price adjustments. So these are just pricing hits, you know, call it a a fee um, for second homes and also for high balance loans. Um, And so what a high balance loan is is where it's above the conforming limit, um, you know, that can be there. But in some markets around the country, we don't experience it here in Tampa Bay. But in some markets across the country, you know, they go above the national average of the um, of of the conforming loan limit. And those are considered high balance. So anyways. the second home, which is a huge market here in the Tampa Bay area. So people buying second homes and vacation homes. And so what they came out and they said is they're going to add additional loan level price adjustments for any loans that get sold to them after April 1st. So what's going to happen is you're going to start seeing lenders start pricing that in um, very shortly here. And they're adding somewhere between 1.125%. So 1.1% and 4% additional fee on your pricing oh <laughs> to purchasing a second home so it is significant there it, it is that that it's going to be on there and and so you know when you first look at it and and everybody looks and says oh wow that's a negative and and all this other stuff and and it is if you're in that second home market it is going to be more expensive to buy a second home Um, you know, if everything else stayed the same, it's going to be anywhere from one to 4% in, in fees higher to buy that loan, which equates to, you know, anywhere from maybe a quarter to a full 1% higher on your interest rate. Once you're going to buy a home, um, as you get in later into the first quarter and from now on. And so what the anticipation, so why do that? Why would Fannie Mae do that and everything else? So what the hope is and the industry experts believe they're doing is they are gonna use those additional funds and the additional resources that they get off that to hopefully offset and actually lower some of the loan level pricing adjustments for primary residents, single family homes, and especially for first time home buyers because it's become no secret and it's here the same in Tampa Bay It is hard if you're a first time home buyer to get into the marketplace because prices have risen so quickly, because things are so expensive. A lot of people, unfortunately, have just been priced out of the market um, in the first time home buyers. And so there's a lot of adjustments that that have been on there. And so the hope is, is that they're going to use the additional funds. Nothing has been announced yet, but everybody's kind of speculating that later in the year, what we'll see is they're going to use those additional funds that Fannie Mae is doing. And again, these aren't the mortgage lenders. This isn't, you know, cross-country mortgage where I work or any of the other mortgage companies out there doing it. These are the government-sponsored enterprises doing this. Hopefully what they're going to do is they're going to lower some of the fees for primary residents, especially for first-time home buyers. So, you know, while not great news, if you're out there buying a second home and a vacation home, hopefully it will be some good news for first-time home buyers and people looking um, to buy as primary residents as we get in later into the year.
0: Yeah, this isn't something that you guys or any mortgage lender wants. I mean, this is you know it makes. I think anything that makes something like taking out a mortgage less attractive or or more expensive, it makes it less attractive. So it's nothing that you guys you know For certainly sure. wanted. This is something that's overarching coming from you know kind of from the government um, that they're trying to sh- make the costs more expensive. So they feel like people that can afford it, you know, people buying second homes or um vacation homes, that's somebody that can generally probably afford the cost and they want to hopefully have that trickle down and make it more affordable for people that are going into the market for the first time or are buying, you know, a primary residence or something like that. That's what I would feel. Is is the idea of it? I mean, I would say that that's for sure what you were explaining correct. Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's exactly what, and that's what the hope. And again, nothing's been a- announced. And you know, prices have risen a- nationwide. I mean, um, on housing, it's it's all over the media. Everybody's talking about it. Um, we talk about it every week here on on the Duncan doer uh, Real Estate Show. And you know, prices are going up, and it's becoming more expensive. And there's a lot of pressure, political pressure out there for lower income housing for first time home buyers for allowing people to be able to get into houses, especially in some of these hotter areas, and this is anticipated to be one way by collecting a fee on something that is a second home or a vacation home and not a primary residence, they'll be able to offset it. So we shall see what happens. Of course, stay tuned every Sunday, and we'll update you as soon as the announcements come out, kind of like we're doing um, with this one, um, but uh, you know, stay tuned for more information as soon as we hear about it.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of surprised that this hasn't gotten more traction because I do think that that market is very very hot right now. That market has actually been on fire since 2020. I think that that, especially in some markets, has been really affecting the amount of homes that are on the market because I think that people, again, with inflation and with people having extra income and people not, you know doing all the stuff that they normally did, I think that a lot of people were like, okay, well, let me put some money into buying that second home or let me put some money into some different type of investing, which would be buying a second home. So I think it has affected the market a lot. I think that people are kind of on um, kind of a tear buying these second homes. And I think that to me, it's surprising that it hasn't gotten more attention because I do think (laughs) there's a lot of people that are probably investing in uh, multiple second properties and they're thinking, when they see that, I think they're going to be a little surprised. So I'm surprised. Um, I, I, I've heard so little about it that I thought maybe when I mentioned it to you, you'd say, no, what's, the, what, what's going on with that? Obviously, it's your it's your world, but that's how little traction it's gotten that I thought, what is this that people are talking about? Because I haven't heard anything about it. So I think that it's just interesting what gets traction and what doesn't, so.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, it. it is for us, it's a big deal here in Tampa Bay, right? Because this is such a large second home market. It's not going to be as prevalent in some other areas um across the country and it was a surprise right it wasn't something that was anticipated or forecasted or at least that i had heard about you know lots of times there's kind of the whisper you know about the hey this could be coming or it should be coming kind of like i'm saying about the the first time home buyers but this was sort of out of left field um at least from what i had heard and i you know try and keep my finger on the pulse on what's going on in the marketplace so usually i have right. a pretty good idea and um you know this kind of came out of left field and and so this was one way you know the the head of the f FHFA um changed hands last year um and came through and this is kind of her first big move um into making a decision to you know hopefully help
0: affordable housing. Absolutely. So we'll be right back right after this quick break on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. And we're back here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. I'm Robert Johnson, president of the Duncan Duo here with Mike Corgan from Cross Country Mortgage talking about all the different changes in the lending world this week and how the market has just been hyper competitive. Um, I think some of the changes are going to be good for the market long term. Um, I think that it's gotten a little crazy, but if you are a first-time home buyer in this market, it, inventory is still very, very low. And even with these changes, I don't think that that's going to change. I think that you know we have a long, long, long way to go before inventory gets balanced again. Let alone before it gets to be a buyer's market again. And yes, things can change quickly, but I think that um, that we have a long road ahead as far as far as that's concerned. So, you definitely want to be prepared um, if you're going to be buying a home this year, and you want to get your financial, you know, your the financial side in order. Because I think that people, um, especially first time buyers, they don't realize um, maybe how how much that the financial side and preparing to buy a home is the really the first step in looking for a home. And I know that sounds backwards and you usually think, okay, I want to find a home and then I want to talk to a lender. But really, once you've decided that, yeah, I'm tired of paying rent, yeah, I want to make the jump this year, I want to buy a home, really that's when you should start getting your financial house in order. And you need to get your financial house in order because this is a very per- competitive market and you want to prepare yourself in order to do so. So one of the articles this week um, from one of the one of the places that we get articles from, I think this was from, um, it, the article was on Facebook, but it was actually from, um, from LinkedIn, I think originally, but it was really the different steps you need to take in order to be prepared in this market. There's a couple of steps here. The first one is to look at your credit. You have to know what your credit is. You have to know where you are in that. And I think that stuff from years ago can actually affect your credit right now. But I think the first step is always going to be talking to a lender. And that's somebody that can help you look at your credit and get prepared. And I know that's what you always encourage as well, Mike.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and you hit it on the head is is you need to do that now more than ever because of the competitive marketplace that's out there so that when you do find the home, that's that's the right one for you, that you have all your ducks in a row and you're ready to go do it. But yeah, reach out to us. Um, we can take a look at your credit. Um, you certainly can do it on your own. There there's resources out there to get free credit reports that are going to be there, but you talk to a lender, take a look at your credit. Um, people are shocked sometimes on how many mistakes there are on the credit reports. Lots of times they're very small things, um, that can be adjusted, but sometimes they're bigger and larger things or things that you didn't realize and whatnot. And, you know, we talk to people every single day that, um, they're like, wow, I didn't even know about that. Or I forgot about that. Or, you know, this or that, that can come back to haunt them. So you want to make sure you know what is on your credit report. Um, that you're reviewing it so that if there is some work that needs to be done or some things that you need to handle, you have the time to do so. And you don't want to do that after you found the home. Um, so get get take a look at you know what your your credit is there. And then, you know once you know you're talking to us, is we're going to give you a good idea. We're going to be able to issue you a pre-approval letter. You know, we'll collect your your income documents and take a look at everything and let you know what you can actually afford on paper and just because you can afford it on paper doesn't mean you should go buy that high or whatnot but we'll talk to you about all the different what is your comfortability level where do you want your um your monthly payment to be because there's a lot that goes into a monthly payment other than just an interest rate whether or not you know your taxes and your insurance um whether or not you're in a flood zone um there's lots of different things whether you're in a condo or a um you know planned unit development or a PUD that has an hoa fee there's a lot that goes into it so you want to get an idea for the price range that you're thinking, what is going to be a comfortable monthly mortgage payment for me and my family so that you have the right kind of expectations that are going out there. And, and, and that way you don't go on a wild goose chase, you know, whether it's, you're sitting in front of uh, online, looking at all the resources online for that or somewhere else. Um, you can have a good idea of what you're, what you're, um, you're going to feel comfortable with and what price range you can get that for.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, it has on this list to contact a mortgage lender as really like the third thing. And the first thing was checking your credit. But I think that really contacting a mortgage lender should be first because sometimes, you know, even though, like you said, you can give a pre-approval and you can collect their docs and they can qualify, you know, if there's stuff on their credit report, and let's say they're not going to be buying ideally for four to five, six months, if there's stuff on their credit report that they can take care of, they might qualify for a better rate or for you know a higher payment because they're actually taking care of those things on their credit report which is boosting their score and they're not going to know to do that unless they talk to a lender first and the lender can give them ideas on what they can you know take care of and what they can do to get their score higher i mean i know that that happens all the time and i think that that's that's the advantage of talking to a lender up front
1: for sure. And then you can have a plan, right? And that's what this whole article about is about, is having a plan moving forward if you're going to do it later in the year and that, you know, that, those sort of things. So um, is to have a plan moving forward and, um, you know, we can help you figure out what's going to be best for that. So.
0: Yes. The next thing is manage debt. So the lenders want to look at your debt to income ratio. So DTI, that's what they call It's very important because they're going to be able to look at that and say, okay, You know, you have this credit card payment, you have this car payment, you have, um, you know, all these different things that you're paying per month. So your debt to income ratio is X, which means that this is how much house you can afford. So again, talking to a lender, managing that debt, which is what we talked about, and coming up with a plan is going to affect how much you can afford in four, five, six months down the line. So you don't want to get, to the point where you found the home that you want you think that you've used this online mortgage calculator and you can afford the payment only to turn around talk to a lender and the lender says oh no you can't because you have this is your dti and this is your you know your credit score you don't want that to happen once you found the home you know you want to be able to come up with a, a debt plan and how to manage that debt early and the lender can help you with that as well
1: yep for sure absolutely
0: The next thing is draft a budget, again, because we've talked about this. Now, this is something that could be, um, like Mike said, you might be able to afford a certain home on paper, even from a lender, but maybe you're more conservative than that. Maybe you want to know, okay, what's my budget going to be? What am I currently paying in rent? What can I turn around and then pay for as far as the mortgage is concerned? Because there's going to be things that you don't think of as far as the home, like different um, maintenance items that are going to be needed. Maybe- different services that you might need if the pool if the house has a pool or the house has a lawn and you don't think that you're going to be able to keep up with that. So I think sitting down and coming up with a budget would actually make you be able to comfortably more more be likely to move forward, be able to afford that home and something where you're going to actually feel like you have control of of what you're budgeting for as far as purchasing the home. And I think that that's very important.
1: Yeah, for sure. And looking at your different down payment options, right. And, and you know, we, we, shout it from the rooftops all the time. You don't need 20% down to buy a home. That's still a big kind of myth that is out there. You can get into, especially as a first time home buyer, get into a home with as little as three or three and a half percent down. Even if you're not a first time home buyer, there's options at three and a half and 5% down and whatnot. And so you want to look at based on when you are coming up with that budget, where are you going to feel comfortable with a down payment, whether it's you got to start planning ahead to save some money or how much you want to do. And, you know, we often talk to people, Um, you know, about their different down payment options and they may have come in saying, Hey, I want to put 20% down because maybe they're selling a house and they're going to have the proceeds to do it. But then when we talk through them, all the different options, even with interest rates, where they're at now. And as low as they've been and mortgage insurance cheaper, they decide to go to a less of a down payment because they would rather keep that money in their bank account rather than give it to the mortgage lender. So that's where coming up with a budget is super important. And talking to a mortgage professional, someone like us at cross-country mortgage or your other mortgage professionals out there can walk you through your different down payment options. And how does that one affect your payment and two affect your cash flow and how much money you're
0: going to need to come up with? Yes. And I've actually been on the other side of that. I've been somebody that when I purchased my home, I thought, okay, I'm definitely going to put 20% down. And my wife and I were in agreement. I thought, okay, I'm going to put 20% down and I'm not going to have, you know, the mortgage insurance every month uh, and you know our payments going to be this. But then when we sat down and we looked at it, it was actually better for us to put less down and to pay that mortgage insurance because of what we've talked about before that the mortgage insurance was so cheap, I'd rather have that money in the bank getting interest or investing it somewhere else. And that's what we ended up deciding to do. So I think sitting down and coming up with those down payment options and really knowing what those options are for you, I think that that can really change some things. Maybe, you know, it, it might be different up front, but you got to think down the line, okay, what do I want one year, five years, you know, what's my goal? Um, And I think talking to a lender and, and deciding and looking at all those numbers, I think that that can make a huge difference.
1: Yeah, and Um, and you're a great testimonial to that, Robert. I'm a lot of people that do that. You know, when they realize what the difference is, they think it's going to be a lot more drastic. Um, you know, that their payment would go up so much higher if they had mortgage insurance or only put 10% down or 5% down versus 20, and it's really not. And they're surprised from that, and they decide, hey, you know, maybe now I can go in if I only put 5% down, I can look at a house where I would have some money to. know maybe update the kitchen or a bathroom or whatnot and and what it does in this competitive marketplace with such limited inventory it gives you more options and it gives you more choices out there to find the house that's going to work for you and your family and that's what it's all about at the end of the day right is finding something that's going to work for you whereas if you're limited and you can only find something and you're spending every penny you have and you don't have the options to do so well then there may not be options for um you know repairs or other things and you may be limited in the amount of homes you can look at in a market where there's already limited inventory and it becomes more and more difficult.
0: Absolutely. And that's exactly what we did. But and I think that that kind of flows into the last point is, um, you know, come up with a list of your must-haves and stuff that you don't necessarily need. I, I call it the must-haves list stuff that there's really non-negotiable. So I have to have this in the home. I don't need to have this, or maybe I'm willing to, you know, Fix this up. And I think that you can do that when you know your different payment options and how much you're going to have in the bank and that sort of thing. But I think coming up with that list, especially in such a competitive market, is very important because I think when it comes down to it, there's never the perfect home out there. There's always stuff that you definitely need and stuff that you don't necessarily need. But I think knowing that upfront and really focusing on a couple things that you have to have and being flexible on the other ones, I think that that can really open up your. your decision, as far as finding a home in the in this really competitive market, and I think that that's important. Yeah, So we'll absolutely. be back right after this quick break, and we'll finish up here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us back on our last segment here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. I'm Robert Johnson, President of the Duncan Duo. Here with Mike Corgan from Cross Country Mortgage. Excited that you joined us this week. Thanks for joining us this week and every week. So wanted to follow up with what we were talking about just on the hyper competitive market and really what's what's still going on in the state of Florida. And I know we touch on this a lot, but the state of Florida is really, really, really hot right now. And I don't mean temperature-wise. I mean really hot as far as people relocating to the market, people buying second homes, people retiring to our state, um, and people that are already here wanting to upgrade their homes. So I think that it's kind of the perfect storm what's happening in florida right now and i think that zillow you know i know you guys talked about zillow came out and they kind of doubled down saying that tampa was the number one market jacksonville was the number two market and orlando i think is the number nine market so out of the 10 markets in that are you know top 10 for 2022 three of them are in florida and three of them are major markets that have nothing to do with really south florida that you always kind of hear about so I think that that's definitely um, interesting. And it was saying that the West and the Northeast are down and the Sunbelt states, especially places like Florida, are are up. So when you look at our market and how competitive it is, I think you have to take all that into account and realize you have to really, really come in strong in our market. If you're wanting a home, there's definitely homes out there. But I think that um, it's even more important to come in really, really, really strong um, for our market. And I think that um, hopefully some of the stuff we talked about earlier, uh, especially with second homes and stuff like that, I hope that that affects the market in a positive way, the way that they're thinking um, and helps out first-time home buyers or people buying primary residences. Because I think that that is, it's very difficult in our market, especially with how quick prices have risen and how much um, competitiveness is out there. It's very hard to find a home in our market Um, The deals are out there, um, but I wouldn't call them deals. I think they're just good homes that you, you know, you need to go for and you need to jump into because I don't think it's going to get cheaper. Yeah. You know, and
1: having affordable housing is important. It's important for not just Florida, but the entire country is going in there. And, you know, when you look at some of the statistics that have come out from you know, where the inflows of population moves over the course of the last year and for so many different we- reasons, people are coming to Florida, whether it's because of our, you know, the political stance on on COVID or, or whether our house open our state is compared to other places, to our climate, to our weather, to the businesses that are getting attracted here to the tax on um, ramifications. So many people are coming to Florida. I think Florida and Texas were the top two state inflows of population last year. And, and that may not surprise a lot of you that listen, cause we talk about it all the time, but people are coming here. And so when they're coming here, it makes it even more competitive for the people that have already been here. Right. And it kind of just creates more and more demand that that's going to be there. And to your point, Robert earlier in the show, talking about having a good solid plan, being prepared to come in, you know, the market's going to remain hot, you know, throughout the year.
0: Well I think what's so surprising to me as somebody who's lived here my whole life you know you always hear about people relocating to Florida maybe some of them from the northeast some of them from the midwest you know they're they're tired of the cold or or they're retiring and they're moving down but I think now what's surprising is how many young people are moving to Florida and of course we've yes. always we've been younger especially in Tampa than the media gives us credit for I think we're one of the youngest large cities in the country Um, statistic-wise, population-wise, which you never hear about that. But I think it's shocking how many young people and families are moving here and they're just deciding, oh, we're going to move to Florida and we're going to pick up and we've always wanted to live there and we're just going to make the jump and that's it. And some people, I feel like the people that I knew that moved years ago, maybe they were coming and they ended up you know, staying a little bit and then going back. But you just don't see that now. You see people, they're staying. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> and right. um, And you still have even more retirees because people are deciding to retire early and they're coming down. And you're having people that have lived here and it seems like, again, before maybe they were like, oh, you know, okay, well, we'll move up to the Carolinas or we'll move something like that. It seems like those people are just sticking around too. So- I think that it's very, very, um, the the demographics and the people that are moving here, I think are surprising to me. And I think that that's actually what's changed our market so much. And something that you said, you know, they're coming here and a lot of times they're bringing a lot of money here, uh, not necessarily because they're super wealthy, but because maybe they live somewhere with a higher uh, cost of living and, you know, they're selling sure. their home there. They've earned money there for a very long time. So they're coming here and they're not blinking spending six, seven, eight, nine hundred thousand $900,000 for a house and they're paying it and they, it's just different.
1: Yeah. And you know, one of the things for somebody who moved here with his family, with two young kids, 17 years ago, it'll be this year that comes here. I'm, I'm one of those people. And, you know, I've heard a lot of people in the last year, what they say is that, you know, Tampa used to be kind of like this hidden gem out in the wide open, um, because it was a great place to live. It was a great place to to raise a family. And for all of us that have lived here know that right um, from from the amusement parks to the sports teams, to to the beaches, to the water, to all the different areas and everything that Tampa Bay has to offer you know, is here, it, it's not as much of a secret anymore. And we're getting all no. this attention and everything else and a lot of the spotlight on us. And, and so, um, what, that's a good thing. Um, it, it, it's good. That's, um, you know, that, that it's there. And I think the secret is kind of out that Tampa Bay is a great place to live. Um, and I think that's, you're really starting to see a lot of people come here and, you know, to add to what you were saying and the people coming here and everything else, just the ability for people now to work more remotely than they have in the past. And being able to work, um, they don't need to be in in an urban area. They don't need to be in the Northeast to be able to do so. And you're seeing, you know, entire companies come and move their headquarters to Florida for lots of different reasons um, because they don't need to be in an office building in Manhattan anymore.
0: Absolutely. And to your point, what I used to hear all the time, I mean, even five, 10 years ago, you'd hear, oh, I, you know. Well, oh, there's not, I don't know. Like, Oh, you live in Tampa. Like oh, da, da, da. there's not much to do. And I don't, I mean, we knew that that wasn't true, but you don't right. hear that at all anymore. I think downtown is so different than it used to be. I think all of our sports teams are so different. I think there's so much change that's happened in Tampa just in the last five years. It is not even remotely the same place. And I think it was so close to a tipping point before but you never hear that anymore at all. You you never do. I think that you're right. The secret's out. And I think that it's it's a great place to live. I think it's only going to get better. And I think it's only going to get more popular. So um, if you are a first-time home buyer, we can get you into a home. I promise. This was a, a good segment. This wasn't a bad segment, but um, call us. We'd love to get in touch with you. Call us anytime if you have to buy or sell a home, you can reach us on our office number, 813-359-8990. Reach out to us on our socials, the Duncan Duo team, all the different social channels were out there. Mike, how do they get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, you can always reach me directly at 813-377-2743. Again, 813-377-2743. Um, be happy to answer any questions you have about anything we talked about today or anything mortgage or real estate related. Or you can go to Cross Country Tampa, all one word, CrossCountryTampa.com.
0: Awesome. Thanks for joining us this week. Have a great rest of your Sunday, Tampa Beck.